0: Hey, Grace, Merry Christmas. it's so good to see you guys here. We're so glad that you are here. Hey, kids, I wanna take a moment. We've got some kids in the room right now. I wanna take a moment and talk to you guys. How many of you are really excited for Christmas? Let's hear you. You don't, yeah, just, okay, all right. So here's, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to respond as loud as you possibly want. Now, if you're a little bit sensitive, you might wanna put your hands over your ears, okay? So here's what I want you guys to do. If, and only if, you are excited for Christmas Day, this is what I want you to do. I'm gonna count to three, and you're gonna scream as loud as you possibly can, okay? Here we go. One, two, three, ready? Here we go, here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Good job. Can we give them a hand? Way to go, you guys. Good job. Now, now, kids, kids, look up here real quick. Be quiet. Okay, all right, all right. Hey, listen, I wanna to talk to you guys about Jesus. He's the reason why we've gathered. I wanna to talk to you about one of the reasons why he came. He came to do some profound things in the world. For 33 years, he walked around this planet, healing, teaching, transforming people's lives. And I wanna introduce you to two different groups of people two different groups of people who have two very different experiences with Jesus. One group is a group of people who are pretty self-aware. They know and they recognize that they are sinners. They've fallen short. Everything's fallen apart for them. They have brokenness inside of them. And it's kind of like, actually, they just lived through 2020. And uh, they're struggling. They're going through st- tough stuff. And then there were the super religious people of the day. And these guys were called Pharisees, and Pharisees were the people that everybody looked up to. They were uh, rich, they were uh, prayerful, they were obedient on the outside. But one of the things that happened to the uh, to the Pharisees along the way was because they tried to really, really obey the law and do the right things, one of the things that challenged them was that they got into this habit of basically thinking about us versus them, we the righteous people and them the sinners, right? And so what happened for them was they became very superficial in the sense that they began thinking about themselves and thinking about their lives in terms of how we look on the outside to everyone else. Now, there are probably some folks in the room who had that exact same struggle. Everything on the outside looks good, You know, you show up and people go, yeah, you got it all together. You're nailing it. You're killing life right now. You're doing everything that you should be doing. And for some of us, we're those rule followers. We may make up our own rules. You might be in the room right now and you're not super religious. Someone brought you here today. But here's the reality. You make up your own rules. And you're like, these are the rules that I'm going to live my life by. And this is how I'm going to live my life. And it doesn't matter if you do that or if you you find some other code like the Bible or some other code to try to follow those rules and make yourself acceptable to society and maybe even God himself, right? But here's one truth that we all know if we've tried this path before. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It actually deep down inside of you causes you to be very self-doubting. Why? Because at the core of who you are, there is a lie. No one can perfectly follow the rules. They just can't. Not me, not you, not anyone. We just can't do that. It's not going to work. So the Pharisees have this sense that they're supposed to look good on the outside, but on the inside, they know just like everybody else that they have fallen short. We know that. Why do we know that? Because January is just around the corner. And you know what happens in January? It's a new year and a new you, right? We do this every year, but we have amnesia. We forget, right? Why? Because January comes around, we're like, calendar flip. Here's what's gonna happen. I wanna start doing these things that I've never done before. I'm gonna try to be this person that I've never been before. And we just start making resolutions and doing all kinds of things. we're like, yes, this is who I'm gonna turn into. And then March comes. And we're done. We're done, why? Because we can do anything for a little while with willpower. The willpower alone has never led to somebody's life being transformed. It just hasn't. Why? Because your willpower and my willpower are busted up. Why? Because we got this brokenness inside of us. And this brokenness is what Jesus is going to talk to us about today, right? So this group of religious people, because they had an us and them mentality, they were frustrated with Jesus. Jesus was a rabbi in the first century. And as rabbi, a teacher. Jesus began to teach people, but he didn't gravitate towards the religious people. He gravitated towards irreligious people and people who religious people would never hang out with. Why? Because these are busted up people. These are broken people. They don't look good on the outside. Things aren't working for them. They recognize life is not functioning the way that they should. Just like 2020. When we went into this, we all had ideas about how 2020 was going to be. We thought it was going to be awesome. It was going to be this. We're going to accomplish this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, it was all taken from us. And we realized that as 2020 unfolded, that there was little bits of brokenness in all of us. And then, you, and then you realize, man, I've been around my spouse for much more time than I'm normally around. And I don't like that always. And, and then I'm with my kids all the time. And man, those, those boogers drive me crazy sometimes. And it's you know, just like, we, we have these frustrations and stuff, right? Well, Jesus hanging out with these folks frustrated the religious people of the day. And this is the reason why. Because they didn't feel like Jesus, who was up here, should hang out with people who are down here. One day they came and they asked Jesus that question. Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? Mark chapter two, up on the screen, verse 17, it says this. On hearing this question, Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? Jesus told them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's take a look at this. I want you to see. So on hearing this question, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. That makes sense, right? I mean, when's the last time you went, hey doc, I'm just here because things are awesome. It's great, I just want to say hi. Hi. And talk, you know, we don't do that. We only go to the doctor when what? When we are sick, when there's something wrong. And there's an experience that all of us have uh, with a doctor. There's not always, everything's not always right. But for some of us, we've been around people or known people, family members have gone through this, where somebody co- goes to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you've got stage two, stage three cancer. There's something really wrong in your life. And you have a choice at that point in that moment right now. You can have a choice and that choice is this. You can say, doctor, thank you so much for the information. What's the treatment plan? Let's figure out how to knock this thing out. We're gonna do the best we can to fight about it, right? Or you just ignore it. That's an option. You just ignore it. You say, I'm just gonna move on with my life. I don't like the bad news. I'm just gonna keep on rolling. But here's the problem, and all of us know this, that if you have stage two, stage three cancer, if you ignore it, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't resolve itself. Eventually, it metastasizes to other parts of your body, and it fills your body. And then at the end of that path is death. And Jesus, he says, listen, I didn't come for righteous people. I came for the sick and the sinners. And so Jesus is describing this process. He's saying, look, in every single one of us, there is a sickness that is a sin sickness. And that sin sickness inside of us must be dealt with and it must be addressed because if you ignore it, eventually it will lead to little deaths all along your life. So like, for example, it could lead to a little death like, you know, I'm not on track with Jesus, so I spend time like doing things that I shouldn't do. I lie to people, right? And so it's a death of my integrity, right? No one else sees it, but I see it, I know it. And as a result, I kind of walk down the path and I don't feel like I'm the person God wants me to be. It can lead to the death of your marriage. Why? Because you're not invested in your wife. You're not invested in your husband. It can lead to the death of your business because the business is struggling right now. And you're going, oh, I don't wanna deal with all the drama of that. And so you ignore it and the business goes into the tank. There's all these little deaths. And then eventually, Jesus says, this sin sickness that's in every single one of us eventually leads to a permanent spiritual death. Even though we're going to experience little deaths all along the way, there is a permanent spiritual death. Why? Because cancer, cancer, spiritual cancer metastasizes. It doesn't stay in one place. Now, Jesus begins to uh, have a conversation with a couple of different people. We'll take a look at verse 1 up on the screen. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. I wanna tell you about uh, Capernaum. Capernaum is a city, it's a region, right? Uh, Outside of Galilee, and it was Jesus' home. And he was born in Bethlehem, but he lived in a place called Nazareth, but he did a lot of his ministry and a lot of his life in this place, Capernaum. He performed miracles, he cast out demons, he healed people. I wanna tell you about a guy named Jairus. Jairus uh, is a resident of Capernaum. He also happens to be a synagogue official. Now, believe it or not, in church, there are the power struggles, right? And back then, watch this, back then, back then these religious people looked at Jesus and they said, we don't like this guy because he's performing these miracles. He's meeting the needs of the people. They're not coming to synagogue. We're not happy. Jairus is one of these people. It's interesting when you and I have a broken moment in our life and we come to the end of ourselves, we begin to look for the solution that most makes sense. Well, one day, Jarius finds out that his daughter is super sick and she's dying. Everybody knows it, she's dying. So Jairus, who is a synagogue official, hates Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, can you heal my daughter? And he says, yeah. He's like, he's like I know that we don't agree, but of course I'm gonna do that. Why? Because, because I'm God, I'm Jesus. I, I, I'm the one who life comes out of For the sake of his people, I literally came to give you life and to give you my life. So why would I not heal her? Let's go to your house. And they're walking. And at this point in time, because Jesus had done all of these great miracles, these incredible things. He's kind of like the Beatles at this point. Everyone's wanting to crowd around him. Everyone wants to see him. Everyone wants to be near him for different reasons. Some because they're like, I want to see the magician do what he does. Others, because they're like, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. We wanna be near him. Others said this Jesus can't do what he does unless he's God in the flesh. And so people were there gathered together for different reasons, but they all just wanted to be around Jesus. And as Jesus is walking to this guy's house, his name is Jairus, to see his daughter, to heal his daughter, there is a woman who makes her way through the crowd. And again, everyone's pressing against Jesus. The disciples are around Jesus. They're trying to walk. They're pushing, just come come on, step back. And Jesus is walking towards this house to meet with this little girl. This woman pushes her way through. All the Bible says about her is that she's had a bleeding problem for 12 years. She's gone to physician after physician after physician and no one can solve the problem. And then she goes, I'm gonna go to Jesus. Jesus because I think he has something that can ultimately heal me. So she just pushes her way through, right? And ultimately she grabs the back of his cloak. And all the Bible says about that is that power came out of Jesus, went into her and healed her in the moment. What you need to know about her is that as somebody who had this bleeding disorder, she would have been ceremonially unclean, meaning this, that nobody could be around her. She would have to be basically isolated. She was a modern day in Jesus's day leper. Nobody could be near her. She wouldn't have a family. She wouldn't have friends. She just, she had to be by herself because no one, she couldn't enter into the temple to worship because she was considered impure. And Jesus, you know, it's walking, he's coming. Everybody's pressing it on him. She grabs his cloak and then he turns around to all the disciples with me. He says, hey, who touched my cloak? And his disciples were like, everybody? Like everyone around you right now is touching you, right? He goes, no, no, let's stop. And he looks around and he sees her and she sees him and she just comes pushing through and then she's at his feet. And she says, thank you for healing me. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. It's this beautiful picture, faith. Faith, I think for some of us, like we have, if I were to ask you guys, what is faith? All of you would give me different definitions, but here's the definition that we need to hold on to. Faith is a series of choices that we make that expresses our trust in God. Faith is a series of choices. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. Faith is not some wonderful feeling you get about God or at Christmas time or whenever. You can have wonderful feelings about God, but faith, the essence of faith is a choice that you and I make that expresses over and over and over again my trust in God. Just like my life expresses my love for my wife and my children over and over again, we express our faith in God. Jesus does this thing with her. Not only does he fix her physically, but also spiritually and emotionally. She has a brain change, she has a heart change, and she has a will change. She comes away a completely different person. Why? Here's why. Because she's on this path, and this path was not leading to Jesus. And now this path in front of her, because she said, I'm gonna trust that Jesus has the solution to my problem. I'm gonna walk this path so that at the end of the path, I arrive where Jesus is. It's essential. It's necessary. And so she does that, and Jesus has this experience with her, and he changes everything about her. Verse two says this, they gathered in such large numbers. There were so many people around, right? Now Jesus is in a house because he has to pull away from everyone. that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word, the Bible to them. Some of the men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So there's these four guys. And these guys are, these guys, are, uh, these guys love this guy. This guy's paralyzed. Everyone knew this guy. When you're paralyzed in the first century, your family either had to take care of you or you sat at the temple gate, and every time someone was entering into worship, you asked for what was called alms, money. And somebody would put a penny in your hand and put a penny in your hand. That's how you survive, day to day. So everyone knew who this guy was. But all of a sudden, they do this incredible thing, and I love it, because my, my, as my wife, I was telling her about this message. She goes, this is totally my, our son. Like he and his friends would totally do this. Here's, here we go, verse four. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat where the man was lying on. So Jesus is in some guy's house. These dudes come around back, they get on a ladder, they pull this paralyzed guy up, right? And just like a Spanish Mediterranean house that has tile roof, right? They start ripping off the tiles, And then all of a sudden they get to it and it's about this thick, right? They start sawing through it. This took tools, you guys. They're not gonna just do this, right? This took tools. These guys sawed this thing open. They lowered this guy down and everyone's like listening to Jesus and all of a sudden they're listening, bam, 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 bam. And all of a sudden this guy comes lowered down. These are good friends. They want something good for him. But the guy who owned the house was not impressed. He was not... I got a skylight right now. I didn't have a skylight before. This isn't, so So here's here's what happens. Here's what happens. Jesus is with them right there. And these guys are lowering him down. And there's two groups of people, this group, who will do absolutely everything necessary to meet with Jesus. Why? Because there were people gathered around, there were obstacles, and they would not let one obstacle get in their way. This is what Jesus said, verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That's a weird response. That's a weird response because that's not what they're asking for. They're asking, Jesus, can you fix our friend? We love him, we care about him. We busted through this guy's roof to meet with you. Will you fix him? But Jesus doesn't respond like that. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see what Jesus was doing right there as he was saying, Listen, I know you came to me with your needs. And you feel like these needs, this paralysis is the most important thing in this guy's life. But my diagnosis of the problem is not that the paralysis is the biggest need. It's the sin sickness within him. And that could be all kinds of things. I mean, he lived broken I mean, can you imagine what that would do to yourself to sit somewhere outside of the the temple for 10 hours a day and ask people for stuff and have people walk right by you and shame you would carry with you? This sin sickness that resided in him was a deeper problem. We come in with those same kind of prayers to God all the time. God, fix my business. Struggling right now with my business. I want my business to be more profitable. God, please make it more profitable. Father, my kids are off track. I want them to be on track. Please intervene help get my kids on the right track. Lord, my marriage is not where it needs to be. God, please help fix my marriage. And all of those are good prayers and there's nothing wrong with bringing those kinds of things to God, but they're really not the source of the problem. And Jesus says, I know this paralysis seems big to you guys, but at the end of the day, here's what it is. It's this sin sickness that you have inside of you. And until you fix that, everything else doesn't matter. Look, I could heal you right now. You could walk out of here. You'll be excited for a few days, but then you're gonna go back to that sin sickness inside of you and you're gonna be just busted up. And there are many people in the room right now and we've had probably almost, I don't know how many people we've had. We've had 80, 90 people respond and I'm gonna give you a chance to respond. And here's the reason why. Because for all of us, we recognize unlike the Pharisees, Not that it's important for us just to look great on the outside, but we have to be changed on the inside. If you want true change, if you want to be a different person, it cannot be because I make superficial strategies to change. It has to be that I meet with someone who fundamentally alters who I am. So Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. In the original Greek right here, not only does it say, sons, your sins are forgiven, which basically means this, everything that's happened to you in the past that you responded to with brokenness, everything that you've done in the past that you broke someone else or you did something sinful, everything that you're ashamed of, bothered with, everything that you've carried with you your whole life that you've never been able to get rid of in your brain, all of that stuff, son, it's done. It's gone. You're forgiven for the rest of your life for it. But the second part of this is he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What that means basically is I've come to make you whole. And so not only am I going to fix your brain and I'm going to fix your heart and I'm going to fix your will, but son, I'm also going to fix your body. And she says, son, your sins are forgiven. And this guy gets up and walks out of the room. And everyone's like, what has just happened right now? And everyone was mesmerized except for the second group of people that were present when the miracle took place. It's the religious leaders. The religious leaders are sitting there watching this entire thing. It's the second group of people that I want to introduce you to, and they've got a problem, and that is this. They don't have the eyes to see the truth, and they don't have the ears to hear the truth, and as a result, they miss out on the great miracle itself. Verse 6, they watch this whole thing. They watch the guys bust through. I'm filled with, they're filled with judgment on this. What are you doing? Come on. And then Jesus doesn't perform the healing in the way that they think that he should perform the healing, so they don't even think about the healing. They just get mad that he's not jumping through the hoops the way that they think He should. Verse six and verse seven says this. Now, some teachers of the law, Pharisees, were sitting there thinking to themselves, not singing out loud, just to themselves, right? Why does this fellow talk like that? Why does Jesus talk like this? He's blaspheming. In other words, he's saying something bad about God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they were right. No one can forgive sins except God himself. They got that part right, but they got the whole rest of it wrong. They saw God do an incredible, miraculous thing. And all they could come up with was he didn't do it in the right way. He didn't jump through the right hoops. He didn't say the right words. He didn't consult the right people. All he did was bring life and wholeness to this guy and they could not see it. Why? Because they believed in an us and them mentality. They believed in the mentality that said, as long as you're pretty on the outside and as long as people think you're successful, then that's what matters. And Jesus came to say, no, 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 it doesn't matter why, because the outside is just one part of you. Unless you change the inside, you will never be fixed. Now watch this. Jesus comes, he says, hey, son, look, your sins are forgiven. I'm gonna put you on a different path. And so this guy was walking this path, and this path was brokenness. I can't even, personally, I don't know about you, but I personally can't imagine begging outside of a temple, and when someone walks by to worship God, they don't give you anything or help you. I'd be enraged about that. I'd be like, what are you, you... So this is what your religion is, right? Like your religion is like, you're gonna walk right by the person who has absolute need, and you're gonna miss the whole thing. And then you're gonna go pretend to worship God. That is farce. And I don't blame him at all for feeling that way. I don't blame him for all that stuff. But when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, all of a sudden, all of that stuff goes away. Now listen, this is where it comes in for you guys. All of us are broken. I'm telling you right now, me, you, everyone, when I was a counselor before I was a pastor, I saw brokenness in people who made millions of dollars. People were professional athletes, Olympic athletes. I counseled them all. I counseled all kinds of people and I saw brokenness in every single one of them. You too. The question is, are you gonna continue with the cancer and just ignore it so that one day the cancer gets up and kills you? Or are you gonna deal with that? And this is what Jesus says, I'm gonna put you on a new path. I'm gonna walk you down a different road so that you don't have to spend your whole life dying to your reputation, dying to your relationships, dying to your health, dying to your business, dying to all these things so I can get your attention. But instead, I'm gonna put you on a path that leads to the end and that end has Jesus only. 30 years ago, somebody came and he said something similar to me. He said, Mike, your life is broken. You're busted up on the inside. You're a sinner, you're lost. I want you to take a step Why? Because faith is not a feeling. Faith is a series of choices that we make that expresses our trust in God. It's a choice that we make every single day. I make choices to love my wife. I make choices to love God. I make choices to love my kids. I make choices to love my staff. We make choices over and over again. And it's those cumulative choices that at the end of our life is this thing called faith. Because we've trusted him. With the big things and the small things. So this guy comes, he says, hey, I want you to cross the line. And every once in a while, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do this for some of you, you just need to draw a line in the sand and say, hey, this is my old life. This is my new life. And people that knew me long-term here in Orlando know that there was an old Mike and there's a new Mike. This guy died and this guy was born. And he's a completely different person. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just an instantaneous change. It was something that God said, I want you to be a different person. So I want you to walk the path. Trust me. As you trust me, that trust factor gets bigger. You begin to trust more and more and more and more boldly. And eventually there's nothing you will not trust God for. So I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. Trust him. I made the choice 30 years ago and it never, ever, I never doubted. I never didn't want it. I'm so grateful for it. And many people in the room who are sitting here right now know exactly what I'm talking about because they have a before and an after. And I wanna give you that because God wants to give that to you. So here's what I want. Just everybody close your eyes, bow your heads, just put your heads down. The reason why I wanna do this is I want this to be private and I want this between you and me only, not between the whole room. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I am gonna ask you to simply look up at me. I'm gonna say, hey, do you wanna walk a new path? Walk that path that has Jesus at the end, where you step off of the old life and begin trusting him because faith is a series of choices that we make that you make that will express your trust in God for the rest of your life. If you want Jesus at the end of your path and the life that comes with it, including eternal life, then this is that moment for you. I don't believe somebody just invited you here and you showed up. I believe God brought you here. He worked in your heart and he brought you here. It's been a tough year. It's been a hard year. But I believe that God does not waste any suffering or any challenges. I believe he takes bad things and turns them into good in the life of a believer. So I wanna give you that opportunity to be able to respond to that right now. So over here on the left side of the room, if you came in, you're sitting on the left side of the room, I'm just gonna ask you at the far side over here on the left side to just just take a moment and respond to me simply by just looking up. And I'm just gonna say, yep. And then we're gonna move on. If you're ready to take that step, just look up. Yep. 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 You? Yep. 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 Yes. Okay, over here on the left side of the room in the middle. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Yes. 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 Yes, sir. It's awesome, dude. Yes. Yes. Okay, over here on the right side of the room in the middle. Just look up. Just a second. Yes, sir. Okay. Over here on the far right side of the room on the side. Just look up here for a moment. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Yes, little man. So awesome, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm gonna walk across just one more time, just only because, only because I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to do this. And I know sometimes you're like, I don't know, man, I'm not sure. I don't know everything I need to know about God. It's okay. Everyone else has their head down. I'm just gonna give one quick walk by. Ready? All right. Yes, sir. Great choice, brother. Okay, let me pray for you guys. Father, right now, we just recognize, and it is wisdom to recognize, God, that uh, we're broken inside and we have this sin sickness deep inside of us and that we need Jesus. He is the only solution for it. So, Father, I just thank you right now. That's not because of me. That's because of what you did, God. We said that we would praise you as people responded. We're grateful and thankful for that, Lord. But if you pray that prayer right now, I just want you to pray this prayer silently with me, not just in your head. Father, thank you for loving me and sending Jesus into the world. Thank you for his power. Thank you for his love. I know that I have a sin sickness inside of me that has been in me and with me forever. Made choices in my past that I know I shouldn't have made and I ask forgiveness for all of them. And Father, right now, I just ask that as I start this process of getting on a new path, and beginning to make a series of choices that will lead me to Jesus eventually, Lord. I ask that you'd help me to walk the path. Your Holy Spirit would guide me and lead me. And that I would trust you every single day. I know I'll never do it perfect. I know that's not what you're asking me to do. But I'm just gonna love you the best that I can and let you love me the way that only you can. It's in your name I pray, amen. Hey guys. Kids, you guys just did an amazing job. Can we thank the kids? Way to go, you guys. Way to go. One of the other things that the Bible says is that the Bible says that in heaven, when someone chooses the path for Jesus, the Bible says that that, that heaven celebrates that. So can can we do exactly that? Can we celebrate that moment? Those commitments right now.